Welcome to Brand Story, Inc. I'm your host, Jay Sharman. Every week, we sit down with smart folks to talk about innovative ways they are creating content to connect with their audiences. I'd like to say every company can be a media company, and this conversation hopefully helps you understand why. Joining me today on Brand Story, Inc., we welcome Andy Crestadina to the show. Andy's one of the most highly sought-after content marketing speakers on the planet and the author of Content Chemistry, the illustrated handbook for content marketing, my favorite kind, one's books with lots of pictures. Andy, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Jay. I'm glad to be here. Andy and I go way back. Uh, we're both Chicagoans. We started our companies at the turn of the century, and we've seen the world of content marketing emerge into a bit of a force of nature that I believe has finally become mainstream. Andy, you can opine on that. Uh, but Andy is the founder of Orbit Media, a website design and development company. Uh, and Andy, you've, as I mentioned, you've become one of the, the most sought-after content marketing speakers. And one of the things I love is just how well you practice what you preach. Extraordinary content marketing that drives bottom line, measurable results for your very own business. And so with that backdrop, I would love for you to share with our listeners the abbreviated journey of how you've grown Orbit Media through your own content marketing. Sure. So we're the same generation. Uh, this is like uh, 2000 and 2001. Uh, yep. And I remember early, so we were like an outsourced partner to agencies who didn't have development or technology or digital anything in-house in the beginning. So that era passes and then started to work with our own clients started to learn search, started to learn analytics. And it was around 2006 or seven that I, I realized I need a way to keep in touch with a lot of people um, over a long period of time. Uh, and I don't have time to talk to everyone one-on-one. -on -one. So it was the same thought that thousands of other people had in that same era. Uh, I need to send an email that keeps me top of mind with people who might need our services. So the next question was, what topics would they be interested in? Oh, these are VPs and directors of digital or, you know, they're VPs of marketing and CMOs. So I need to teach something about marketing, even though that's not what we do. We are a web design company. But um, so this already answers the question, Andy, why don't you have a blog about web design? You're a web design company. No, the goal is to stay top of mind with our target audience and they <laughs> wouldn't subscribe to a web design newsletter. So I had a, just a couple of hundred email addresses uh, I knew that the email would just be an invitation to come to the site and read an article. I knew the article had to be something of utility and, and value. So it was that um, just one of the early and classic examples, not even that early, but it's just uh, uh, sending a message to people to invite them to come read an article that would be unexpectedly helpful and relevant in their lives. And that evolved, you know, added live events to that, wrote a book, doubled the content, it went from monthly to bi-weekly. I've been bi-weekly ever since. Published articles, uh, started a podcast at one time, or I've been very active publishing on other websites, guest blogging. Now we're um, building an active YouTube channel. So yeah, it's, uh, you know, we're something, if you if you consider every value proposition and every business model as having um, a, a, a sales cycle of a given length, ours is several months, often, weeks at least, it takes you weeks to decide who to hire for your web design company. And a buying interval, okay? People hire us every three to four years. Mm -hmm. With those two numbers in mind, you know, a month-long sales cycle and a years-long buying interval, uh, I need to keep in touch. How can I do that? I'm going to do it through content delivered through uh, email. So that was kind of it. 
Well, I'm kind of known in my office for having a work crush on on Andy, so I can't tell you how excited I am to have you on here. Um, And for those listening at home, I I highly recommend checking out Andy's blog. It's at orbitmedia.com backslash blog. And, you know, just everything that he preaches is right there. Practical tips for content marketing, analytics, and web design. Andy's a very modest person. He talked about the, the 100 emails or so that you had. He now has 16,000, over 16,000 people who subscribe to this email list and just is one of the, um, and, and unlike many content marketing speakers who are really good and inspiring and speak in general, maybe sometimes philosophical terms, I, I, I love Andy because of his really practical, nitty gritty take home um, you know, the practicality of, of your advice. And so to that point, early in your book, Content Chemistry, which I have in front of me, which I highly recommend, you have this intense diagram. It kind of looks like a colored uh, aerial of like an airplane, or if you will. And in it, you, <laughs> you map out, you have this map, and in order, it goes from a kind of a company mission statement and branding, which then flows into this parallel relationship between website design and user experience alongside content creation. From there, it kind of flows into analytics and measurement and then more content creation before transitioning into uh, the famous sales funnel, right, Um, with Mm -hmm. SEO and social media. I'd really like to break this down into two buckets, though, as we talk about this diagram um, and which is which is the entire journey of content marketing, very concisely in detail put together. Let's break this down into two buckets. First, the business executive who isn't a marketer, and then second, the content marketer. So, let's start with, let's start with, if you would, the uh, the business executive. And we could pick mm-hmm. pick a fictitious company. And I'd love to hear you share how you would explain this chart and content marketing in general to a business executive who's not a marketer. Mm-hmm. That's fun. Um, so. They care. I'll, I'll I'll use you. Okay, you're the exec, and um, and I'm a, a a member of your team. We need leads. We need to create demand. Uh, we don't have an unlimited budget, so we need to be efficient about this. Uh, we're in this for the long haul, so we, we're going to be strategic and uh, think about the big, the long game. To generate a lead, we have to do a lot of little things first, and uh, it starts with the big picture of who we are in the world, our value proposition, our mission, vision, and values, our competitive set, our differentiation. Let's set that first and know who we are and and who we are in the context of uh, the market. Cool. You're an executive. Like, yeah, makes sense. I know who we are. I love talking big picture. Makes, you know, let's do that. And that conversation we have next is a conversation that you have maybe like every five or 10 years. You just don't need to define your brand, you know, every month. (laughs) So uh, that goes well, hopefully. Next issue, we need a platform. We need to make sure our digital presence has a strong foundation. We need to build this site so that it reflects all that stuff we just talked about. And we have to have uh, uh, our assets. We have to have our uh, content strategy. We have to know our primary key phrases. Uh, We have to have our uh, structure and an easy management system for this, a content, you know, like a WordPress or something. And what are we going to fill it with? We need the words. We need the sales copy. It's like direct response copywriting. It's called conversion copywriting. 
and we might need a video to tell our story like you like you would do you know so well the big you know the the message to the world okay so now we've got the website we don't have to have that conversation every five years that's mm-hmm. like every three years maybe right so mm-hmm. I've got, I'm building a foundation cool now this website okay mouse traps do not attract mice you need to add cheese to mm-hmm. attract them you know to draw them in so why would anybody come to this website more than once the answer content marketing we're going to publish something helpful and useful and unexpectedly practical something remarkable literally that people will remark on something that people are searching for and sharing and likely to subscribe to and that's search social and email great our website will have a pulse a beating heart a mini version of wikipedia or like a little magazine a library or publication that rides next to this website right in the articles or resources or white papers or whatever great let's have let's define that content strategy our frequency our calendar our formats our promotion channels what are we going to ignore forget TikTok and snapchat and instagram we're going to be b2b or whatever the case you know we, mm-hmm. we decide what we are and what we aren't great now we're publishing what happens next nothing crickets <laughs> it's not <laughs> sufficient to just publish we have to promote the content how will it be promoted the three classic channels search social and email so basically what i'm describing is i'm just going down this i love your question because i've never really done this um in a conversation but yeah going down the list the next thing is we have to promote that content through keyword focus search through um, a a newsletter with a certain frequency that's email Um, we're going to use social media to promote but also to network and do digital pr and make new friends and do influencer collaboration awesome now we have uh, a growing audience, like you said, like our audience has grown over time. Uh, that growing audience, that growing body of work should be able to attract a sufficient amount of links and authority to our website so that those sales pages that we made earlier can rank for the money phrase, the commercial intent key phrase. For us, it's like Chicago web design. Mm-hmm. Cool. Now I've got two kinds of pages, sales pages and content marketing. I've got two kinds of visitors the commercial intent visitors and the information intent visitors targeting two kinds of key phrases, the dollar signs and the question marks. And, uh, I'm going to have, you know, when done properly, I'm going to generate leads every day. That's it. Mousetrap and cheese. People are going to land on our articles from search, social or email. They're going to subscribe and grow our audience over time. Uh, them subscribing decouples me from Facebook and Google, which are, you know, not, in my not trying to help me by sending me free traffic. I need to control my destiny by growing my email list. And I've got quality visitors landing on my sales pages who need my products and services. Those pages are going to rank because they're both keyword focused. They know what they're talking about. And we have sufficient authority. Our content has attracted links from other websites. Mm -hmm. Our relationships with influencers has attracted links from other websites. Yes. Now the visitor, you know, awareness, consideration and action, we're going to generate leads. Uh, when done well, uh, ask me at the end of this conversation, and I'll look. It's like it's not impossible that I'll generate a lead during this call. Uh, mature content programs create a breathtaking amount of demand uh, without an ongoing expense. So uh, hopefully, as an exec, you understand all of that, and that you're willing to invest and be patient enough. And that's a I key one, right? Staff. The patience, the yeah. time. What what yeah. kind of expectation cycle are we giving here for folks just to? build that foundation and start reaping some of the 
the lead generation? You know, it's this might be like a brutal answer, but if you want a consistent flow of qualified visitors and demand, uh, and you're a relatively young brand with a low domain authority to start out with, it might be a year and a half. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's um, I think that's a realistic answer. You know, if if uh, I go with that, I say twelve to eighteen months in general is kind of yeah. been a ballpark of anecdotal. Yep. I don't, I'm not as methodical in my research I agree. as you are, but Jay, huh. I'm totally on board. I, I think that's where you got to. Um, if you, now, if you're a well-known brand that's had PR for a while and there's right. a bunch of sites linking to you and you're already, you know, you're like a race car parked in the driveway. Okay, let's um, let's blow this out of the water. I'm going to build a whole set of search-optimized service pages targeting all kinds of commercial intent key phrases. So, yeah, it's um, okay. it's a great question, and I, and I think that's, you know, I'm trying to take it from the top to the bottom, from yep. the big-picture brand strategy all the way down to the actual lead being born. Mm-hmm. It's something like that. So if you're a savvy content marketer, hang tight. We're going to get to some deeper dive stuff for you, but we've got a wide range of folks that are listening to this to this podcast. So I want to stay there and kind of the, I call him the arms crossed executive. You know who I'm talking about, right? The, he's the same person who a couple of years ago was saying, I don't need social media. Why do they need to know where I'm having lunch? That guy or gal. Mm-hmm. Um, so let, let's, I want to ask you one follow up there and, and you can, I'll give you an example, or you can use your own company. As content marketing has become more and more accepted as kind of a cornerstone of companies' marketing budgets, I think what we've both seen is it's becoming more challenging to find that differentiation in your content versus the competition. Um, Mm -hmm. I was advising someone the other day, I had a conversation just with a friend who's in the financial advising business. And you go to Google and you type in best financial advisor Chicago, it happens to be based in Chicago. It net 21 million responses in Google, right? And so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what advice do you have for those that are kind of just entering the content marketing game or are still early in it as it relates to this differentiation point of their product or service? I've got two tips that are almost guaranteed to work. Uh, Love that. The first is, yeah, this is definitely a hit. This will work. Uh, The first is to publish original research because – you make the competition irrelevant by becoming the primary source for a key piece of information. And when done well, your competitors will refer to you. Mm-hmm. Media sites will link to you every day. So ask yourself, what is the missing statistic in your industry? And whatever it takes, it might be a hundred hour project. You know, you might have to do a survey of a thousand people, whatever it takes. Produce, or oh, you could outsource this. I know companies that do it. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, seven or 10 grand. They publish, you know, a big piece of original research for you. But when you have that, uh, your site is immediately link-worthy. You are automatically different. You are the only piece, you're the original place on the Internet where that information appeared. Examples for us, uh, the average website lifespan is two years and seven months. Hmm. Uh, the average blog post takes three hours and 57 minutes to write. Uh, the... Um, I'm blanking. Uh, the average uh, salaries for a content strategist, where I pulled and aggregated data from the median from Payscale and Glassdoor.com. Um, the most common complaints for web design companies. Hmm. The, uh, the I, I do this. Oh, um, what is the uh, what are the most important traits for thought leaders? Uh, what is the average bounce rate on websites is 61 hmm. percent. These are all pieces of information where that appeared on our site before they appeared anywhere else. 
they are that we are the primary source. So that'll make you'll win immediately as soon as you do that by pu- publishing the missing statistic for your industry. But also the other one is even better. It's the perfect alignment between sales and marketing. When your prospects ask you a question, answer their question obviously, but then go write the most detailed, thorough answer imaginable to that question as an article, and then follow up by sending that article to the prospect afterwards, mm-hmm. or sending it to the next prospect next time you get the question. This means traffic is just less important. Competition is less important because you have uh, like sales enablement content mm-hmm. or your content's answering sales questions. It's zero waste marketing. It will succeed almost automatically because you your content addresses the specific needs of your current audience. In fact, your current pipeline, which is your most important audience. It's almost like taking the... the these sales objections, right? I mean, what you're saying is taking those yep. sales objections or those hurdles and flipping them into tools or assets for you. It's it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're, you don't care anymore about traffic. You don't right. worry about analytics. You don't care about social followers or search rankings because you wrote that for a guy that you care about now because he might sign your proposal. Yeah. Um, I know a company that uh, embraced this and 100% of their articles uh, are answering either questions their prospects are currently asking them or prospects their audience should have asked them. And uh, they win every time. Awesome. Great tip. Okay, now I want to go back. So to the more savvy content marketer, that you've got a new VP of content marketing who's gone into, let's call it a small to mid-sized firm. doesn't matter what industry. Um, they know what they're doing, but they call you and they, hey, Andy, I've I've got a couple people. I've got two people on my staff here and, a, you know, $100,000 out-of-pocket budget. What conversation are you having with them as it relates to how to set expectations within that organization, what they're trying to do for content mm. marketing? Well, they're probably going to want to find some quick wins. To help them do that, I would start with data, see what's working, look at the look at the legacy content, uh, look at what's gotten the most traction in those channels and then immediately turn around and, and double down on those things. Uh, it's almost, again, like an automatic win. Whatever the top piece of content was, republish that as an infographic or make a video about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever the most popular social media post they made of, ever was, uh, use those same words in an email subject line. Uh, whatever their top three articles were, combine those into an ebook. So if they've been around a little while, you can just go use the data and see what was effective. Your job is to, almost the main purpose of analytics is to find unicorns so you can make baby unicorns. <laughs> That's Larry Kim. He says every piece of content is a unicorn or a donkey. Mm-hmm. And it's true because it's performance of it, it, everything digital is the same. The performance is always measured on an exponential curve. And you want to find those extreme outliers. Those The top 1% of things get a thousand X the results. Mm-hmm. So you need to know what those are so that you can amplify those messages. You can uh, just double down on those channels um, because, you know, the spray and pray, <laughs> it's just not going to work. You mm-hmm. know, the, um, I, I would, I would first uh, do that just to be very strategic and make sure that you miss zero opportunities. So can you give me an example of that for you that you've done? What was that? What was that 1%? Was one of those articles? I, I saw 
one of the sure. videos that you did that I loved was about um, marketing, content marketing salaries and how you did that original. Or, or what, what's it been for you? Yeah. Yeah. So if you have a piece of content that was successful, um, you, you can simply take that exact same URL, never change the URL. And uh, if it's been a couple of years, rewrite that article on that same URL and republish. Uh, that article already has some authority mm-hmm. in search. It's been around for a while. It probably has links to it. Now, if you improve the relevance, it's very likely to um, to rank and become an outlier, an outperformer. Another one is if you have a piece of content that's visible in search and getting traffic currently, most websites have one or two articles that sort of randomly get lots of traffic. Uh, put a video at the top of any of those, and that video will almost instantly become popular. Mm-hmm. So it's... Uh, these are the things where you just say, um, that's work or, or you can use analytics to see what articles or what pages rank high on page two of Google and then go improve those so that they rank almost immediately at the bottom of page one or the middle of page one. Mm-hmm. So it's just uh, low hanging fruit is everywhere. If you know where to look for it, um, similar, but fancy analytics work, you can use the reverse goal path report to see what pages people are reading before they subscribe to a newsletter and then go promote those pages heavily in social media. There's a conversion rate from visitor to subscriber for every piece of content. Mm -hmm. In other words, people who read this article, like 2% of people who read this article subscribe to our newsletter. Look at at the one next to it, 0.002% of people who read that article subscribe to the (laughs) newsletter. So, so some articles will have a 10 or 100x conversion rates mm-hmm. compared to others. When you know what those are, you know what to put in heavy social rotation, you know what to put on your homepage, you know what to put on your email signature, you know what to put back on top of the blog. Uh, those are your best mouse traps. Uh, give them your best cheese. Awesome. All right, so this podcast, as its name implies, really focuses on brand content studios, of which content marketing is definitely a piece of that overall equation. I'd love to get your opinion as we tape this in mid-May of 2020. Um, where do you see the state of small to mid-sized content marketing func- functions going, com- coming out of quarantine? What are you hearing about how brands are pulling back or are they doubling down, status quo? What, do, what are you hearing out there in the marketplace, Andy? Well, the cost per click and uh, the cost of paid social has crashed. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think people are really re-engaging with ad platforms, which I don't do at all. But but uh, people that do that, I think are are need to reevaluate the the ROI and the value proposition of of um, sort of those sources of traffic. Uh, I think that it there was an immediate realignment, like everyone just got shook up, and now you have to like look at your audience and ask yourself who are the most important members of your audience. Uh, where you're talking to a bunch of people in a random social network that are never going to buy from you, mm-hmm. set those aside. Are you kind of ignoring a bunch of past prospects or business leads or current customers? Okay, let's focus on those. Um, is there uh, was some of your marketing tone deaf? Okay, put that on pause. Uh, were your sales pages out of date? Okay, let's told let's stop everything and fix those. Uh, is your audience feeling anxiety um, and disconnection? Okay, let's create a weekly hangout uh, 
at Tuesday breakfast where we invite uh, 20 different CMOs to meet and commiserate, and one of us will give a mini presentation. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, there's uh, conversation, uh, conversion, uh, the value of different audiences, um, the weakness of certain channels, uh, new opportunities based on falling costs in other channels. Uh, It's just basically, for those that can see it, uh, a moment of new opportunity and uh, to revisit strategy that will bring huge results for some brands, no doubt. Well, Andy, I listened intently, and you slid something in there a minute or two ago where you referenced almost as an aside that you don't pay platforms, um, mm-hmm. just to be specific. So you, you don't do mm-hmm. paid social media, correct? Uh, we don't do paid anything. Why? If uh, we can meet our goals without it, uh, I partly I should confess it's partly a blind spot. I've never had to. Mm-hmm. Um, we rank high enough organically. Um, we have uh, enough word of mouth. Our events are quite popular. Um, in fact, uh, I'm not the best example, but uh, the really powerful content brands. Um, eventually get paid to do marketing. Mm-hmm. You know, they write they write books that sell or their conferences people pay to go to. Uh, marketing is eventually a revenue center for, and mm-hmm. I think CMO, CEOs won't even believe you if you try to explain this, but it's eventually <laughs> a revenue center for brands that do it that well. But yeah. no, it's, um, should I do pay-per-click? No, I don't like that channel. You're just click fraud. Your competitors can put their hands in your pockets. Should I do paid social? Boy, where would I even do that? Not mm-hmm. Facebook. I'm B2B. Right. Maybe LinkedIn. I don't right. have any open jobs right now. Right. Um, you know, if I did, you know, I think where good opportunity for paid might be would be offline traditional media where mm-hmm. costs have come down. Uh, I have a couple of very large competitors who are very serious about outdoor, uh, you know, billboards and mm-hmm. radio. Mm-hmm. Probably try it. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Um, well, it just, it, it just underscores what you're doing again, right? The fact that you've got enough business organically, right? Through the way that without mm-hmm. having to lever paid is just, just underscores what we're talking about here. All right. 10 commandments time of Andy Crestadina, or at least a few of them. Anyway, I want to be mindful of your time when you get pulled into the equation in 2020, um, We'll take COVID-19 out of it, which is an unfair thing. So I'm just this more of kind of more general right now. What are the most common mistakes you're seeing? This is the old, if I had a dollar for every time I saw this, Mm -hmm. what are those things for you? A lot of people's sales pages don't have a call to action. Uh, I look at sales pages all the time and it doesn't, there is no call to action. Go look at the verbs that you use on everything clickable on your sales pages and ask yourself if you've really made the case. Um, good calls to action make the value seem high. Uh, you know, click to get help, you know, um, uh, with your, you know, brand storytelling mm-hmm. where they make the cost seem low. You know, click to chat with an expert right away. Okay. I can play with the ROI equation in your brain by writing calls to action that make the R high or the I low. Mm-hmm. Um, another one is uh, home pages where you can't tell at a second glance what the company does your homepage headline the most the most visually prominent thing on every page should be also the most important thing 
So the top of the homepage should almost always tell the visitor just what business you're in. Unless you're a super famous brand, you know, your homepage needs to really just say your business category. Mm-hmm. Uh, another huge pet peeve is when people make their homepage title tag say home. Google <laughs> knows that's your homepage. Do not, never, it's, it's embarrassing, you know. Mm-hmm. I used to joke, a unicorn cries every time someone makes home their homepage title tag. <laughs> uh, I think that sales pages lack evidence. If you don't have evidence, testimonials, data, um, clients that you've worked with or years in business, uh, then your website's just a big pile of unsupported marketing claims. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's terrible. Um, another one is uh, if someone does take action on your website, they fill out your contact form, there should be a thank you page, not a thank you message. There should be a URL that is the, the page that the person lands on after they fill out your form. That page should have additional marketing, links to other things, maybe a subsequent conversion. Um, and, it, and it's also much, much easier to track in Google Analytics. Mm. Uh, I think people are silly to put hashtags in social media profiles. I see that on Twitter all the time. I do not understand what they're thinking. No one's going to discover your Twitter profile because of a hashtag. Mm-hmm. Hashtags are actually exit signs to to leave. You know, They're less likely to click the follow button if you have a bunch of hashtags in your social profile. Uh, I don't like LinkedIn pictures, LinkedIn profile pictures that aren't centered on the face. Hmm. I don't want to see a silhouette on a mountaintop. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not very social for social media to not show your frame it, you know, get mm-hmm. a headshot that looks proper. And, you know, your head should be two thirds of the, the circle on the profile picture. I think we lost a lot um, of listeners because they're all on their websites, checking out their call to action pages and self-included. I'm, yeah. you know, the old, uh, I'm anxious to go double check on ours to make sure we're hitting the marks on these. So <laughs> I'm just, this is just stream of consciousness. I love There's it. A million, you know, mistakes that people make. It's Hey, if we're not making you uncomfortable, we're not doing our job, right? And that's our job here is to, you know, Add make value. it, make yeah. you, make you a little uncomfortable, but also you're offering solutions, which is great. Yeah. They're all, and by the way, every one of these things is fixable in like 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, this is mostly stuff you can do through your content management system. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I, I somewhere made here. Maybe I can find it if you take this a second. A checklist. This will be one where people can kind of bookmark this. Look at the time code on your uh, podcast player and make a note because I'm about to give you a checklist of things that should appear on all of your sales pages. Nice. Uh, just start at the top and go down the list. There. Are, these are your service pages, basically, right? The pages that promote your business. Mm-hmm. Descriptive headers, meaningful subheaders, right? It should say disaster recovery services, not what we do. What mm. we do doesn't say what you do. <laughs> answers, answers to top sales questions. Short paragraphs of no longer than three lines. Long paragraphs people do not read. Faces of your people, no stock photos. Mm-hmm. Statistics and data that support your value proposition. Diagrams, charts, graphs, trust seals, like awards and memberships and certification. A testimonial to support your marketing claims and a call to action with better verbs than click, read, learn, or contact. Just, I was actually 10 things, but awesome. Yeah, I, I think anybody can do that in, in with at zero cost in uh, less than one hour. Well, I think when it comes to content, thank you for those, by the way. When it comes to content... One of my favorite original research pieces that you do, I call it the Mythbuster, is around um, blog posts. 
right? And you do a survey from a number of different factors and then you turn it into a series of different blog posts for you. So it's blog post on blogging. And mm-hmm. the one I always go to is you do an annual survey of, because uh, one of the myths that drives me crazy is that these ultimatums that regardless of industry that people don't read and it should be any blog post should be 250 words or less because it's short attention span theater and year after year you do surveys that kind of um, debunk that myth I'd love for you to share that yeah people um, uh, there are all kinds of weird ideas that people have about blogging that people don't realize what the real game is and that uh, survey answers questions um, so there are people who believe that, uh, you know, everybody's got an attention span like a goldfish and no one will read something that's longer than 300 words. That is totally ridiculous. And especially like in the quarantine era, we are, you know, people are spending like four plus hours on a single show. <laughs> you know, everyone, people, people binge watch, you know, the great mm-hmm. British baking contest at night. And then they go to work and claim that people have, you know, they get on a, a call and claim that, you know, their audience has three-second attention spans. Uh, people have unlimited attention spans if your content is high enough quality. So um, the there's one there that that content, that article, that research kind of uh, addresses, which is that uh, long-form content correlates with strong results. In other words, thorough, detailed, exhaustive content that is the best page on the Internet for that topic is going to... Um, make your make your competitors irrelevant. So, yeah, the average length of the uh, the average blog post is like doubled over the last six years. We keep doing the survey, and now it's I think like fourteen hundred words or something. Mm. All right. So, I think one of the things I I, I mentioned earlier was how much I love the specificity and practical takeaways that that you offer. And by that, I mean Andy gets into things like. Um, call the impact and placement of your call to action button or field and goes post after post on these things that actually he's tested and can prove um, beyond a reasonable doubt what works and what doesn't. And so to that end, one of the things I love about you is your email marketing. I feel like it, I know in, in with our clients and, and with even properties, media properties that we've built at Teamworks, it's really getting a nice catapult effect. Um, I think, and we touched on this earlier, people have figured out the pay-to-play nature of social media and the return part of that ROI equation being lower than the money going to Facebook and Google and other places. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And probably more so that almighty quest to have that direct um, to consumer relationship, right? You've got their email, you've got some Mm -hmm. some other information about them. You're not relying or being filtered through a, a platform. So I would just love to get, again, in May of 2020, what's top of mind for you these days in terms of where email marketing is, where you see it going, and and some of the best practices that that you're evolving right now? Well, it is underrated. Uh, It is uh, absolutely critical. You own own your website, like your domain and your content, um, and you own your email list. I mean, that's it. That's all you own, really. You don't own your search rankings. You don't own your Facebook followers or your LinkedIn connections. Those are proprietary, like like for-profit companies that uh, care much more about making money than sending you free traffic. So, yeah, email marketing is disintermediation. Uh, you remove, you know, your 
your sort of ideal visit is the visitor goes to Google, searches for something, lands on your site, loves what they found, and gives you their email address, and now you no longer have Google in between you and this audience. Um, so I don't know a single hardcore digital marketer that isn't obsessed with growing their list and, and um, maximizing open and click-through rates from email. So, yeah, it's, um, uh, it is consistently um, one of the highest ROI channels in, in studies, uh, yet it is not. Ironically, it is not the the most popular session at conferences um, when really it should be. Um, email is, uh, you know, I don't know of a single, I mean, unless you're just like a YouTuber, um, I don't know a single mature content program that doesn't have email very close to the center. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, Andy, before I let you go, last question, because the guy I turn to for as a great resource, I love, I highly recommend just rabbit holing on YouTube um, with Andy Crestodina, C-R-E-S-T-O-D-I-N-A, uh, author of Content Chemistry, the Illustrated Handbook for Content Marketing. Highly recommend getting that book. Uh, before we let you go, I ask all of our guests to kind of walk through their morning musts. How do you, Andy, stay on top? What does your email inbox look like? What do you subscribe to? How are you staying on top of the trends in content marketing as the content marketer's content marketer? I, I have a, a pretty tight inbox. I'm like one of those, they call them wire walkers. My inbox fluctuates between 15 and 30 emails at a time. Uh, I subscribe to a few that I love and, and often read. But honestly, I'm going to make a counterintuitive recommendation, and it's basically what you and I are doing right now. Uh, if you want to learn something, most of the people in this business uh, are active networkers and generous souls. You wouldn't be a content marketer unless you were trying to win at this contest of generosity. That's what content marketing basically is. It's like most generous person or most generous brand wins. You're just everyone. Here's all my intellectual property for free. Here's all my insights. Yeah, Give them away. Know, right. Yeah. Yeah. 20 years of experience. Click here to get it for free. But these people uh, are often willing to just talk to you. So build relationships or do even what you're doing. Just create a format for content that connects you with people and uh, or just reach out and ask people if they've got a minute of time. Uh, find teachers and ask questions and network with people because, it's, uh, yeah, you know, there's, you know, you can read Content Inc. by Joe Polizzi. Highly recommend it. Mm -hmm. Subscribe to Brian Massey's a newsletter, um, Conversion Sciences. Attend MozCon, amazing event in Seattle. Uh, but also, if there's someone that you're learning from, uh, drop them a line. Ask them if they wouldn't mind spending 10 minutes on a call with you. You know, uh, you'll be surprised. Um, people love to help each other. Uh, and I think in this time and era that we're in now more than ever, I think it's a... Uh, um, Offer to help and don't hesitate to reach out if there's someone that you would like to ask a question to and have a little one-on-one -on -one time with. I do that about once a week. It helps me a lot. Mm. Well, I thank you for spending some time with us today. And Andy, check out Andy and his amazing blog at orbitmedia.com. Like I said, um, just one of those, as you can tell, he is a generous soul and just gives such practical takeaways. And so... Uh, for those of you listening at any end of the spectrum of uh, brand st a content studio 
Um, whether you're small, just starting, or you are pretty sophisticated, I guarantee that you will be able to learn some things by just following Andy. So Andy, thank you so much for your time and paying us a visit today. And thank you for being so complimentary. <laughs> I'm really blown, blown away. Uh, I'm one of thousands just doing my best to teach, and uh, you were so kind to me, Jay. I'm very grateful. This oh, was, uh, you're the best. I've been blushing the whole time. <laughs> I've really blushed. You've been, I'm uncomfortable like this, how sweet you've been on this call. Anytime. Call me anytime. I love chatting with you like this. Thanks for listening to Brand Story, Inc. We'll be back next week with another conversation digging into the ways companies are becoming like media companies. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give me a follow on Twitter at underscore Jay Sharman and on LinkedIn.